Uh, today, we're going to wrap up a, a series, and I think this morning is going to be incredibly helpful for a lot of people. I did, uh, I did bring a story with me today. I don't, I'm not sure if you're interested or not, but if you think you might. Now, before I share it, though, you've got to lean over to the person next to you, and you've got to tell them, you know, you know the drill by now, this has nothing to do with his message. You, you just go ahead and tell them, this has nothing to do with the message. But I thought you may like it. It's a story about an uh, uh, elderly mother who had and raised these four boys, these four brothers that turned out to be highly successful, and they made an enormous amount of money. And it was around the Christmas season. They got together, and they discussed the gifts that they were able to give their, to their elderly mother. The first said, the oldest said, you know what? I had a very, very big house built for mama, a big house built for mama. The second said, well, you know what I did in that house that you built, I took $100,000 and built a in-home theater system in that house. The third said, well, I want you to know, I had my Mercedes dealer uh, deliver to her a very, very expensive brand new car. The fourth said, well, guys, I want you to listen to this. Fourth brother, youngest one. He said, you know how mom loved reading the Bible and you know she can't read it anymore because she can't see as well. I met this priest who told me about a parrot that can recite the entire Bible. Listen to this now. It took 20 priests, 12 years to teach him. I had to pledge $100,000 a year for the next 20 years to the church, but it was worth it because all mama has to do is name the chapter and the verse and the parrot will recite it. The other brothers were totally impressed. So after the holidays, mom sent them out her thank you notes. To the first one, she wrote, uh, Dear Milton, the house you built is so large. I live in only one room, but I have to clean the whole house anyhow. Thanks anyway, son. I really appreciate it. Marvin, I'm too old to travel. You know, I stay home. I have my groceries delivered. I never use the Mercedes. The thoughts were good, though, however, and I want to just say thank you. Michael, you gave me a very expensive theater with Dolby Sound. It can hold 50 people, but all my friends are dead. I've lost most of my hearing. I can't see really well. I'm never going to use it. Thank you for the gesture, though, just the same. Dearest Melvin, you were the only son to have the good sense to give a little thought to your gift. The chicken was delicious. Thank you. <laughs> That's an expensive meal, isn't it? For the past three Sundays, we've directed our attention to this tremendous book of wisdom in the Old Testament. God chooses that he's going to deposit extraordinary wisdom into the life of a guy by now you know. His name is Solomon. And then what he does is God would have him to do and God purposed him to do is to share his discoveries with us. And we've covered a lot of ground in this series in the last three weeks. Again, we're wrapping it up today. But before we wrap it up, I want us to check out something that Solomon says, before we move on, because this is such a huge portion of each of our lives, something crucial he has to say about a matter that for most people, for most people will consume, think about this now, about one third of your life. And so how can you move out of a book of wisdom when he addresses something that deals with about one third of our life? Does anybody care to guess what that category of your life just might be? What would that be? That is your working life. It is your vocational life, your career, your job. And the stat on this is that about, again, about one-third of your life is going to be connected to your job. 
Now, I, I want to just say that we have basically <clears throat> three groups that are here with us today. We have the group that, that you're currently working. You're in your working career life. You work for a company. You own a business. You're in your working, the working portion of your life. By the way, that's sort of where you're at. Would you wave your, your hand at me? You're sort of like, I'm there. I'm in the working career portion of my life. And then we have another sort of subgroup in uh, and among us. Those are, that's those of you who have yet to begin your career. You don't have, the, I mean, you may have a, a job. You're just starting out. And so maybe you're going to school. You got a little part-time job on the side. But you've not yet started your career. You're not in that job that's going to be the job that you're probably going to have for a long, long time. And uh, so you're like working on that. Maybe you're, in, uh, maybe you're in a trade school. Maybe you're going to college. Maybe you're in high school. And uh, you know that's ahead of you. Uh, how many of you f- sort of fall into that category? All right. So you're not yet started, but you're going to get started. So I know some of what I'm going to be talking about, it's not applicable for your life right here, right now. But I encourage you, this is really important for you to hear because it's going to help you in your future. Now, how many of you are at that place of retirement? You did your time, you paid your crime, and you're done. And you're like finished, and you're retired. Wave at me like this. And for those of you who waved your hand earlier, you're still working. Please don't be envious, you know, and get in trouble with God because you have jealousy in your heart toward those that are already retired, all right? So those of you who are already retired, you're like, great, I've got a free Sunday, and, you know, I needed to put my grocery list together anyhow, uh, you know, and think about some things. So I I don't even have to listen, and I want to just encourage you to especially listen, and here's the reason why. God can use you to help to mentor and to coach some other people, maybe right in your own family, maybe your own kids, maybe your own grandkids, maybe maybe mentoring younger people, you know, if you're activistic in regards to that. So no, no matter what age level you are at, no matter what your working life is like, you're working now, you haven't started your career, or you've ended your career, I want you to stay really, really dialed in. And you're dialing in for, I know, a myriad of reasons based on your position in life, but it's really important. And we're talking in this series about finding satisfaction. And the reality is, if you're not happy or satisfied with your job, and your job involves, I would say for the most part, it's different for everybody, but if your job involves, say, uh, eight to 10 hours of each day, and generally speaking, it's, as you well know, the best eight to 10 hours of your day, then if, if you're not really happy in your job, then there's going to be, there's no way around it, there's going to be probably a significant amount of anguish that you're going to have to contend with. And, and the opposite of that would also be true. If you happen to love your job, and you just say, I love my job when I'm working, time flies. I love what I do. It's amazing that they pay me to do what I do because I love it so much. Uh, I'm satisfied with my work. I find fulfillment in my work. If that's uh, true for you, then, you know, that's, that's a really, really good thing. So Solomon, what does he do? He weighs in this, on this whole matter of work and job and career. And I want us to go to chapter 5. The guys are going to put it up on the screen. And we're going to see what Solomon has to say. And it's really important that we talk about it. So look at this with me. Uh, Solomon said, Then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in the toilsome labor under the sun uh, he sort of lapses back into negativity sometimes in his language during the few days of life that God has given him. So, he, you know, he's talking then, hey, it's a few days. And he's probably talking in light of eternity, so we're not going to, uh, you know, be too, too uh, strong with him there. He said, for this is his lot. Now, look at this next portion, really important. Moreover, when God gives any person wealth and possessions 
and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot, and be happy in his what? That's weak. Wow, you're tired from a work week, aren't you? So it's been a tough week. Let's say it again. And happy in his work. Read the rest of it with me. This is a gift from God. So Solomon said, if you're happy in your work, if you find fulfillment in your work, man, you know, that's, that's a gift from God. You ought to be grateful for that. So there's something that I want us to do in the balance of our time. Since our work and our jobs dominate such a huge block of our time in life, what I want to do is I want to direct our attention to four words. We used some words last week. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to go back, listen to that, watch that online. But I want to give you four words this week that comes into play in regards to work. So if you're working, I want you to get these four words down. If you have work ahead of you as you finish your education, I want you to get these four words down. If you're beyond work and you're already in retirement, I want you to get them down so that you can help those who are coming behind you and mentor them and coach them and help them. And so uh, four words. I want to give you the first one right now. Here's the word. The word would be passion, passion. And we're talking about, you know, seeing our work as a gift from God. And I think it would be extraordinarily difficult if you don't have passion for what you're doing to feel like it's a gift from God. Now, if you're looking for some satisfaction in your work, then having passion for that job would be a huge step toward that. In fact, I want you to read a verse, and then we're going to talk about it for a moment. I want everybody to read this verse with me. It's a great verse. It's out of the Psalm, Psalm 139. Let's read it together. Are you ready? Everybody now. I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. Now, if, if you were to ask God or somebody were to ask God, what words would God use to describe the creation of you? You know what God would say? God would say, well, I'll tell you what my thoughts are in regards, regards to the creation of you. God would say, here's a couple of words I'd like to use. I want to use the words. You just saw them here in Psalm 139. What I created in them is amazing. What I created in them is absolutely wonderful. That's what God would say. And most likely he would add to amazing and wonderful. He would add this other descriptive term. He would say, and you know what? When I made them, I not only made them to be amazing and wonderful, I made them incredibly unique. I want to ask you a question. Do you realize that there is no one that is exactly like you? There's nobody that is exactly like you. By that I mean, and you may even have a twin, and y'all have incredible commonalities, but the reality is there are differences because we all have our own uniqueness created and built into us by God. So you're different from the person seated next to you or the person in front of you or behind you because we all have different abilities and we all have different temperaments. And, and please understand, I didn't say temper. You know, I'm not encouraging tempers, temperaments. So we have different abilities and temperaments, personalities, spiritual gifts, and passion. And you are, think about this now for your life, every one of you, you are a one-of-a-kind combination. You really are. You're a one-of-a-kind combination. Now, I just have to say this, friends, before we move on to the second words. I just have to say that if you happen to be uh, at a place where you're being paid to do a job, listen to this now, you're paid to do a job in the arena of your passion, then I want to encourage you to consider yourself extremely blessed because scores of people never experience that kind of pleasure and fulfillment. 
So if you happen to be working in a job that you've got passion for that job and you're paid to do that job, then you're incredibly blessed. Some time ago, I read a book. It's called Life Wide Open. And in this book, Dr. David Jeremiah quotes a guy by the name of Bud Patson. And Bud Patson put it this way. He says, God has uniquely wired each of us to possess special desires and aptitudes. Listen to what he says. He said, the vision you have for your life and family and career can be expressions of your God-given passion. So take the time, he says, to routinely pray and daydream about what you would be doing if you could have your cake and eat it too. What would your life look like if you were doing what you wanted to do? What would you be doing if you implemented your dream? And then it wraps that up by saying, keep in mind that to daydream with God, you want to daydream with God at your side. And that is a good, good thing to do. So uh, Solomon's talking about finding a satisfaction and fulfillment in our work. And he says, you know what? It is a gift from God. If you just happen to be working a job, if you own a business, and that just happens to fit your passion consider yourself blessed. All right. That's the first word. Uh, if you're with me on that first word, you know what I'm talking about there. Just wave at me like this and then we'll move on. If you don't wave at me, I'm going to camp out here and who knows how long we're going to be here. All right. So second word, word location, location in real estate. It is location. What location, location. And it is also true in terms of where you work. Not just what you're doing, but where you're doing it. Basically, what we're talking about here is when your passion is compatible with your job, but maybe you're at a place where your location is not in alignment with you. Maybe your passion, what you're doing, you're passionate about, but you happen to be in an environment, a work environment that is quite toxic and dysfunctional. Maybe you have a boss that is like just, uh, you know, arrogant or a power monger and, you know, never listens to anybody. It just, and it's just a tough situation in regard to, you know, that whole dynamic with your boss or with your supervisor, your manager. Maybe, maybe everything's good with the manager. You have a great boss and a right kind of boss, but maybe the company's policies and practices are lacking honesty and integrity. Or maybe, you know, it's a great company, great managers, great bosses, great ownership, but you just so happen to be locked into a department that is like, and is different maybe from a lot of the other departments in this corporation or business, and your department just happens to be in total disarray or is filled with infighting. And it's like, you know what? I'm doing what I want to do. I have passion for it, uh, but my location right now is not really good. Now, some time ago, I was looking at this not long ago, a Gallup poll yielded these results concerning the U.S. workplace. And so you want to listen to this. And for some of you, um, some of you uh, men and women who own businesses, this may give you a little bit of uh, something to think about that you've not thought about before. And again, it may not be accurate concerning your specific business, but it is poll results yielded across the board. All right. So here's what the results were. 30%, 30 30% of workers are excited about their job. Now, if you're a business owner, how many of you know that's, that's a little bit humbling? And I hope those numbers are up in your business. But 30%, three out of every 10, have a lot of passion, uh, and they're very excited about the place where they work. All right? 
Some of you know this is accurate. Some of you, this is like, you know, maybe where you're at a little bit. But this is what the results yielded. 52%, 5-2, are basically disengaged. And simply, you know, we might would think punch a clock, collect a check. Not, you know, not negative, just doing a job, not really excited about being there, not doing anything disastrous, you know, not complaining. Uh, but, you know, and, and that's the bigger portion of the pie. Now, this is interesting. This is what these, uh, this poll uh, results yielded. 18%, all right, 30% excited about their job. 52% basically disengaged. 18, 1-8% are actively trying to harm their company or organization. Think about that. About two out of every 10. They just so, they're, they're like, they're not only not helping, they're looking for ways to harm. And some of you are saying, I knew that. I just needed somebody to substantiate that. Now, some of you are at places or locations that are quite, and again, I want this to be pragmatic. I want it to be very practical. I don't want to just talk heady or just deal with theology only without it intersecting with our day-to-day kind of life. Some of you are at a place, you're at a location that is uh, quite uh, painful, maybe even a little demoralizing to work at. And we'll come to that in just a moment. Uh, so much so that, you know, your gut starts aching a little bit, maybe come Sunday night late when you're thinking about uh, going back into the workplace and you're like, I'm, I'm just not really sure. I'm not really sure what I can do about it. I'm not sure about it. And, and, and you're sucked into all kind of different, you know, possibilities. And it's such a negative environment that you're saying, hey, why do I keep, you know, fighting the cause? Why do I keep swimming upstream? Maybe I just finally give in and join the negativity. And I encourage you not to do that. Or you just say, you know what I'll do? It's not the perfect job, perfect situation, perfect location, perfect passion in alignment with who I am. I think I'll leave the company. And that, that, may, be, that may be too, that may be too uh, a rush to judgment. I, I would encourage you to really think that through before you make a big, bold move like that. Maybe what you do is say, uh, you know, perhaps God would have me there so that I could change the environment. So there's some animosity there. So join the negativity, leave the company, or change some of the animosity. Now, while I was working on, not the whole talk, but while I was working on the por- a portion of this talk, some of you are going to be shocked by this. I was working on this talk at my second office. How many of you know where my second office is? It's at Chick-fil-A. And I kid you not, while I was working on this message, I'm not making, this is too good to make up. While I'm working on a message trying to hear from God, and I do, you know, with aroma chicken stuff going on. While I'm, while I'm trying to hear from, right behind me, I'm working on this talk about job, and I hear people at the table just behind me railing about the company that they work for and employees. And I'm like, man, how in the world, how do you know who all is? Because they weren't like real quiet and hushed about it. And they they were speaking in quite loud tones, and I'm like, man, you know, that's pretty risky because somebody in this place right now may know the company that you're talking about or the people that you're talking about, but they didn't seem to care, and they're just letting it rip everything they don't like about what they work, where they work, and a lot of the people that they don't like, and man, it was just trashing this one, and you know, it, it was, and I'm like, wow, that, you know, and I just thought the irony of the timing of that. Now, some of you, I want, to, I want you to just think about it, and I don't have a lot of time to speak here because I need to move on for time's sake, but I do want to offer you a challenge. Maybe instead of just bolting and running, maybe joining, instead of joining the negative, negativity, maybe what you could try to do with God's help, and that's 
key with God's help is to try to change the climate before you try to change the company that you work for. And I know what, if I mention this, I, I know, I, I know what a lot of you immediately begin to think. You think, well, how can I change the climate? There's so many of them and there's just me and, you know, I'm just one person. Or you say, well, in the position that I'm in, I have zero influence. Who's going to listen to me? I'm not like in a leadership position. I don't have managerial responsibilities. I am just one person in the maze of a lot of people. How can I make the difference? Or you may say, well, you know, where do I even start? I don't even know, uh, as they say, how do you eat? an elephant? How do you eat an elephant? How many of you know? One bite at a time. You just one bite at a time. And you're just saying, no, the odds are too great. It's too insurmountable. I could never change that. Or maybe you just say, I'm just, and fill in the title, I'm just this, I'm just that. This is what I do. How can I make a difference? This is a story I loved. I picked it up actually a number of years ago. I probably read this book uh, more than 10 years ago, but I love this story. It's the story of Johnny the Bagger. And Johnny worked at a grocery store. One day, Johnny goes to a training event led by a speaker by the name of Barbara Glantz. She was talking to 3,000 frontline workers for a supermarket chain. Barbara was speaking on how people can make a difference in their jobs. She described how every interaction with another person is a chance to create a memory to bless somebody's life. And so she talked about how important it is to look for those moments. When Barbara spoke, she had placed on the walls, as she always does when she speaks, posters with inspiring sayings. She told some stories and then went home, but she left her phone number behind, and she invited the people at this particular conference to give her a call if they wanted to talk more about something that she had said. About a month later, I love this, Barbara received a call from one of the people at that session, a 19-year-old bagger named Johnny. Johnny proudly informed her that he had Down syndrome, and then he told her his story. He said, Barbara, I liked what you talked about, but I didn't think I could do anything special for our customers. After all, he says, I'm just a bagger. That's all I do. Then he had an idea. He said, I decided that every night when I came home from work, I would find a thought for the day for his next shift. And so what Johnny the bagger would do, he would, uh, he would uh, take something really positive, some reminder of how good it was to be alive or how much people matter, how many gifts we're surrounded by each day. And so if Johnny the bagger couldn't find one of these inspiring statements, he would make one up on his own. And so when he would do that, every night his dad would help him to enter this saying six times on a sheet of paper. Then Johnny would print off 50 copies of it. He would take out a pair of scissors. You can do the math. And he would carefully cut out 300 copies, and Johnny would sign every single one of them. So when Johnny would go back to work, he would put the stack of pages next to him while he worked. And each time he finished bagging someone's groceries, he would put his saying on top of that last bag. I love this part. Then he would stop what he was doing, look that person straight in the eye and say, I have put a great saying in your bag. I hope it helps you have a good day. Thank you for coming in here. A month later, listen to this now, true story. A month later, the store manager called Barbara. Barbara, you won't believe what, hap what has happened here. I was making my rounds and when I got up to the cashiers, the line at Johnny's checkout was three times longer than anybody else's line. It went all the way down the frozen food aisle. The manager got on the loudspeaker to get more checkout lines open, but he couldn't get any of the customers to move. They said, that's all right. We'll wait. We want to be in Johnny's line. One woman came up to him, grabbed his hand saying, I used to shop in your store once a week. Now I come in every time I go by because I want to get Johnny's thought for the day. 
A few months later, the manager called Barbara once again to tell her Johnny was transforming. This is one guy, one 19-year-old kid, Johnny the Bagger, not a very, you know, noble job, not a high-ranking job, but Johnny was transforming, the manager said, the whole store. And he told her what began to take shape. He told her that when the floral department had a broken flower or an unused corsage, that they used to throw it away. Now they would go out into the aisle, find an elderly woman or a little girl, and pin it on her. The butcher started putting ribbons on the cuts of meat that they had wrapped for the customers. And this particular writer who's describing this story, I love the way they say it, and all the peoples of the grocery store will be blessed through Johnny. And then he says, if it can happen in a grocery store, it can happen anywhere. And so maybe the answer is not changing companies. Maybe you just can be used by God as Johnny was, to change the climate. Practically speaking, how do you do that? And please don't ever underestimate what God can do through you. How do you do that, practically speaking? Well, you can pray. You can pray. And when you pray, God is at work. See, when you and I work, we work. But when we pray, God is at work. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to get caught up in all that's going on, the negativity, the gossip, you know, the backbiting, the infight. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go back, and I would encourage you, before you go to work in the morning, go to Galatians chapter 5 and again read the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Just say, you know what? That's how I'm going to go into work in the morning, Monday morning. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's how I'm going into work. And say, you know what I'm going to choose to do? Here's why I can't control what other people do. How many of you know that? You can't control what other people do, but you can control what you do. And you can say, here's what I'm going to do from this point forward. My life, how I live my life, how I operate at work, I'm going to choose to be a blessing to people and not a burden to people. And if you and I could do that, that would start an incredible, I think. If we just all said, that's how we're going to go. That's what we're going to do when we step into our job. Monday morning, in the morning, what a revolution we could start. All right? So I need to hurry. Passion location, and then challenge. And I'll be quick here, and there's a lot that we could talk about, but time's ticking. It may not feel like it is for you, but it is ticking for me, and i got a little bit more to cover before we're done. Challenge. Now, there's, you know, and I've done some research on this, that there's typically in your, in the average job, there's three levels of challenge. There might would be, uh, just simply put, you may be working, this may be descriptive of you, you're working in a job where you're under-challenged. And if you're in a job when you're under challenge, it basically looks like this. Your talents, your skill set, not being tapped into. You have so much more to bring to the table. You have so many other ways that you could help to advance the purpose of the company. But either people don't know it or they're overlooking it or they, they don't care to find out what it is. Your ideas are not invited. Your ideas are not welcome. Your creativity is going into atrophy because it is being unused. In a case like that, obviously, you are under challenge. Now, second level. You're with me? Wave at me. I'm talking fast. Some of you didn't know I could talk this fast because I was born in Georgia. <laughs> but I can. All right? So you're with me? Yeah. All right. Under challenge. Second level, appropriately challenged. Appropriately challenged. When you're appropriately challenged, many of your talents and abilities are being utilized. You're quite busy a good portion of the day. Your ideas and creativity are often welcomed and appreciated. So, you know, it's, it's, it's better, you know, it's better than, way better than what you would be in if you were under challenged. And so now you're appropriately challenged. Now, some of you, you don't really connect with either of these. This third one is more descriptive of your situation. The third category 
would be a, what we would call seriously overchallenged. When you're working at this level, you live at a high stress level most every minute of the day, every single day. To say that you are frazzled at the end of the day would be like a massive understatement because it seems that the harder you work, and I don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but I know that this is so true of so many of you. It seems like the harder that you work, the more it stats up, the more you get behind. And there's no serious, pro- you feel like you get to the end of the day and you've worked so hard, but maybe you feel like no serious progress has occurred and that's been combined with maybe some urgent deadlines. And uh, I want to just say, and I don't have a lot of time to talk about this, but it is a serious place. If you can sustain this, let me just say this, you can sustain this for a while, but you can't sustain that forever. Because no matter how strong we are, capable we are, smart, clever we are, if we keep this up too long, inevitably something in our life is going to break. All right? Three levels. A, under challenge. B, appropriately challenge. C, would call it seriously or dangerously over challenged. Now, I, I got a question for you, and, and you don't have to nod, but I want you to th- I'll ask the question, and then you select a number in your mind. All right? At which of these three levels do we typically do our best work? A, our best, our best work, A, under-challenged, B, appropriately challenged, or C, over-challenged. Now, prior to reading the research, I would have reached the same conclusion that many of you have already reached in your mind, all right? And so go ahead, I'll tell you, I'll identify. I would have said prior to doing the, re- how many of you would say B? It just made sense, B, wave at me because I said B. B, B would be, the level, but you know what the research indicates? That it is not actually B. It is a step. Look, it is actually a step, a notch above B. It's when you're going above, a little above, appropriately challenged. And this is where it appears that our best work occurs, just a notch or a step above where we're appropriately challenged. And you may sense a little more stress in this, but it's not too much. And it's certainly not in a danger zone of stress. At this level, researchers tell us that we think best and our creativity is maximized and our talents and abilities are being stretched. Think of it in this way before we move on to the final word. Think of it this way. It's like a great workout. It's a real good workout. You stretch the muscle. You build the muscle. You're not tearing the muscle. You're not destroying them. It's a real challenge, but it's not like utter craziness. So where you and I are going to be most challenged and most productive and most successful is not A, not C, not, but a little bit above B, where we've got some of that pressure. Does this make sense to you? Having, it made perfect after the fact because if I'm just appropriately challenged, how many of you know you can get comfortable? And so you want to be stretched, like a good workout. All right, last one, and we're done. And I don't have long on this one. So I'll talk quick. Will you listen quick? Fourth word, we've dealt with passion, location, challenge. One more, compensation. Compensation. This verse is in the Bible. It really is. This verse is in the Bible. The worker deserves his wages. Now, I I want to say this to each person here. If you happen to be in a job... If you happen to have a career where you are sufficiently and reasonably paid for your work and it is in the area of your passion, then you ought to get on your knees and thank God every single day of your life. How many of you would say amen to that? Because the majority of people working have no idea what that's like. 
most people are in a place where, and again, uh, I only have like three minutes left, and so I'm going to hurry. But a lot of people are in a place where it's like, you know what? I have a passion to do this. I have a passion to do this, but the pay is not commensurate that fits my passion. Does that make sense? I would love to be doing this because this is my passion, but the pay does not match my passion. At least it doesn't match it just yet. Now, here's the thing you and I can't, we don't have the luxury to say, well, I'm just, I'm just not going to work. I'll just wait till something opens up in my passion and then I'll get to work. You and I can't do that. The Bible even talks about it. You can look up this verse later. Check it out. Uh, it's not going to be on the screen, but 1 Timothy 5a, and it talks about the importance of providing for our family. So you may say, well, listen, I'm just going to hang out, and I'm, gonna, I'm not making any money. Put my family in dire straits, and you know, it's hard. But you know what? I'm just waiting for my passion to open. You and I don't have that luxury. We don't have that luxury. And so what it may mean, and again, I wish we had more time to talk about it, but it may mean that what you've got to do is you've got to work the job that pays the bills. You with me on this? But then look for other ways to fulfill your passion. All right? You work the job. If the job is not alignment with your passion, then you do what you've got to do to pay the bills, and then you find other ways to fulfill the passion. It may be saying, well, you know, I've got a, a job that pays the bills, and, uh, but I've got a passion for this, I'm going to keep working this job and it's not so overly demanding that I can't dabble a little bit here. And maybe you've got the idea and the creativity to start a new business. Maybe that's where your passion is, is to start a business of your own, to start a business. And you're saying, well, hey, you know what? I'm not in a place where I can just, you know, quit my job and walk away from income and put my, you know, my, my family in dire straits. But maybe what I could do is on the side, I could just start building a plan. And I could just start doing on the side this little business that maybe will grow into something that will provide the necessary resources for me to be one day be able to do what is in alignment with my passion and at the same time make enough money to be able to support my family. So maybe that's where some of you are at. And again, there's so many other things we could talk about, but we're out of time. But maybe you just say, well, you know, Jeff, that describes me. I've got a passion to do this, but I've got to pay the bills. And in that case, I'd say find, you know, find a part-time job if you can do that. Volunteer in an organization. Get involved with a great nonprofit. And we've got tremendous nonprofits right here in our own community. Find a church ministry that you, you know, it just fits your passion. You know, I, I know some pretty, uh, pretty strong business people and very smart, have great companies, but their greatest passion comes in serving in ministry. And so the, like they do the job and they're really good at the job and, and it pays the bills, but there's a whole nother level of passion and fulfillment they, that they find in a ministry side of doing something because they're like, hey, I'm doing this job and this job is helping me, but I'm making an eternal difference with my life as well. Does this make sense to you? Let's stand for a closing prayer. So ask God for some wisdom on this. James 1.5 said, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who will abundantly pardon. And maybe you just need to say, God, I need some real, real wisdom on this. And again, just sincerely seek out ways to find some passion alignment if you have to outside of your normal job. And then either God will have you to work in the job that's got to pay the bills and you find other ways to fulfill your passion. 
Are you just something grows there and then one day you sort of have that passion alignment working and it happens to be enough to take care of your family? God, we ask you for wisdom today. Solomon said that we could have wisdom, that we could be in a place where we can look at our job and although it's not easy, it's not perfect, it's encumbered by many challenges, oftentimes many frustrations, we can still look at it and say, God, it is a gift. My job is a gift. For those who maybe don't feel that way for whatever reason today, God, I just pray that you would help them to be the catalyst, that they would be the instrument that you would use to bring change. A lot of times we think, I just have to change locations. But sometimes, God, you just want to leave us there to change the culture and to make a difference. And if a 19-year-old kid like Johnny the Bagger can do that, then God, certainly, you could use some of us. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Love you, everybody. Have an awesome week.